In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you will consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank you for your questions about last night's game with Nashville. I'm going to answer them in just a bit, but let's recap the 2-2 draw at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, it's probably not how Atlanta United wanted to go into, I call it a two-week break because they are going to be training, and that third week they will start to prepare for their game against Philadelphia, but I guess technically it's a three-week break. Uh, a goal by Marcelino Moreno. And another for Eric Lopez, his first for the club, were offset by two goals in three minutes from Hani Mukhtar late in the game on Saturday. Nashville hadn't conceded a goal in the 408 minutes prior to the start of Saturday's game, but the five stripes offense, inconsistent most of the season, had no trouble finding holes to exploit. It finished the game with 12 shots, five on goal. It was just the second of 11 games this season in which Atlanta United has scored more than one goal, but it's going to regret its missed chances. Um, Eric Lopez had a one-on-one and put his shot over the bar. Joseph Martinez got tackled off the ball. It wasn't a penalty. It was a good tackle. Um, Nashville finished with 14 shots, five on goal. Its last two shots proving to be the difference. Uh, the draw came in front of an announced attendance of 40,748. And Atlanta United now has 10 points in the East. It is seven points behind New England, or I'm sorry, eight points behind New England, which is in first, and uh, seven points uh, ahead, uh, or six points ahead of the last place team in the East. So now let's get on to your questions. Noah says, what was the deciding factor with the defense that give up that gave up two goals with 10 minutes left? We know a 2-1 lead is the most dangerous, but what specifically lost us the two extra points in your opinion? So if you go back and you watch the goals, on the first one, all Nashville did, uh, they had a little triangle going on, and Lovett started it, and no one, the player who was marking Lovett's just kind of watched him run and then started pointing at him. And then Lovitz passed it to Mukhtar, who is shot. He didn't hit the shot hard, but he hit it uh, into a, a fantastic spot that no one could get to. So that was a goal. So the first one was just a failure to mark. The second goal, it came from a shot um, about 20 yards out toward the center of the penalty box. It bounced off of Miles Robinson, who blocked the shot, and to Mukhtar, who for some reason was sitting wide open a couple of yards to the left, for another goal. Um, I don't know who is supposed to be marking Mukhtar. Uh, you could, would think, I guess, that it might have been Brooks Lennon, but he was kind of man-marking Lovitz, 
and Lovitz had come inside. So I don't know if Eric Lopez was supposed to be picking up Mukhtar. Uh, or, or who it was, but everyone else was marking someone. I don't know who, who Lopez was marking on that second goal, but that's my, that's only a guess. Um, Heinz, didn't want to call out who it was after the game. Uh, I don't know, know if he had a chance to review the film yet, but he said the team obviously wasn't quite prepared like it should have been. That's him putting the responsibility on him and that they weren't paying attention. Um, so that's what happened on the two goals. The next question is, are we better with Mulraney as a starter or a sub? You know, that it's a good question. Uh, I like Mulraney. I think he's a fine player. I was trying to tell you all last year that I thought he was a fine player when some of you were kind of hating on him a little bit. Understandable. Nobody played particularly well last year, but you could see Mulraney's good spots. Uh, I thought he played well yesterday. He put in some a couple of good crosses. He could beat a guy off a dribble, which not a lot, not a lot of players on Atlanta United can do right now. He did it to put in a cross yesterday. I think he's fine as a starter, but I guess it depends upon how Heinze thinks the game is going to unfold. Does this draw feel more like a loss? Yes, I think it does. George Bellow said as much last night too. Um, you know, you go up two goals, you should be able to close that game out, particularly with as good as the team is at possessing the ball. It's first in Major League Soccer. Of course, it's also among the last and expected goals from that possession, but that's neither here nor there. The defense has been so good this year. What the heck happened at the end? Well, it looks like Gary Smith, Nationals coach, moved Heine Mukhtar from inside where he was being marked by Santiago Sosa to slightly out to the left, and either it wasn't recognized by Heinze or it was recognized and his instructions weren't followed but that's how Nashville scored its two goals. Next question. Do you still believe we'll be fine in the long run? This person says, I do, despite the draw we got over the scoring multiple goals bump today. Uh, I think the team is going to be fine. I'm still not convinced about the offense. Um, you know, Scoring more than one goal twice in 11 games, I don't think is a sign that the offense is clicking. I do think it looked a lot better than it has in past games. But you got to put those chances away, and it still didn't create very many chances uh, in the stat sheet. It was uh, four, six, seven, only eight chances created. Um, and George Bellow led the team with three. So you got still got to work on that some. Next question is kind of long. On the whole, I'm not going to feel too bad because the overall form of the stripes was strong. Play like that regularly, and more often than not, I suspect they'll win. But those mental lapses, yeesh. My question, how much do you think the subs from Atlanta contributed to the collapse? I was excited to see Barco come on, and he puts in parentheses for a change. And while I don't think he was necessarily poor, Atlanta definitely began to lose control as both teams made their substitutions. Were Nashville's players that much more impactful? Were Atlanta subs taking away from what was working, or was it some other combination of factors? Yes, uh, I got this a version of this question a lot, asking about did Barco kind of undo the offense. Um, I don't know if he undid the offense. All I'll say is the same things I keep saying about Barco is he's got to play as part of the team. He can't just get the ball and dribble and dribble and dribble, which he did a lot yesterday, but that may have been the instructions from Heinze. Um, I assume he was brought in to try to win fouls and control the pace of the game, but he didn't do either. Uh, he won one foul, and he was dispossessed at least two times. I'm pretty sure three times. 
uh, by Nashville with no foul called. And that's not what he's supposed to do. Uh, there was one just really kind of comical moment in which he dribbled around in a circle and then lost the ball. Uh, and I kind of just threw up my hands and the other people in the press box saw it and kind of started chuckling. Um, uh, you know, Heinz, I guess, it needs to kind of spend this next three weeks figuring out what to do with Barco. Uh, it's the same as three previous managers. The offense seems to work better, I think, with Moreno centrally. Uh, he, I think Moreno is much better centrally than on the wing. Um, but Barco's not a winger. He, he's not going to beat too many people with speed. He's a good dribbler, but um, he's a good dribbler in really tight spaces, not in wide spaces where he has to beat someone, uh, beat a one-on-one defender, uh, in my opinion. Um I gave a prediction on um, Sam Jones and Joe Patrick's podcast a couple of weeks ago that I think by the end of the season, Barco isn't going to be a starter. I think it could be sooner than that Um, because he just – I don't know what he brings uh, consistently within the team, and Heinze is all about within the team. But we'll see. I hope that he finds something because I think he's got talent, and I I don't want someone to not – be able to fulfill their dreams of playing in Europe. Uh, that's not cool, but he's got to figure out how to play within the team. Uh, Adam also asks, uh, Nashville looks stronger at the end of both halves. That is a good point. Uh, the only time that I thought Nashville was really in control of the game, even though they were losing, was the final 10 minutes or so of the first half. Atlanta United was just kind of holding on and needed to get into the locker room. Uh, Atlanta has closed strong in its past two matches, so... Was today a sign of Nashville showing real resilience or just a thing for today? I think both. Uh, Nashville, uh, if you remember earlier in the season, I think was losing both of its first two games and came back to win or draw. Uh, so they have a history of doing this, and Atlanta has a history of of kind of having some mental lapses. Not really a lot this season other than that Philadelphia game. Um, so that's why this was an uncharacteristic result, and I wrote a story as such that I just posted. You can find the link on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Next question. It seemed to me that just before Nashville scored its first goal, Atlanta had stopped trying to attack and were just playing keep away with the ball. In that choice, they lost their rhythm and got complacent. Would I agree? I don't know if I agree. I think Atlanta United was keeping the ball because that's kind of what it does, and it was trying to see out the game, and that's fine. I mean, you're up by two goals with 10 minutes left. There's really no reason to stretch yourself and get too far forward and risk a counterattack. Um, just Nashville just, you know, did what it needed to do and got the, got the two goals. Next question, is the lack of speed on the counter affecting Atlanta United's shape to close out games? Um, I do agree that Atlanta United has a lack of speed. I don't know if I would say that it causes it to lose its shape to close out games because the team did beat Montreal in the final seconds, did get a tying goal against Seattle in the final seconds. Um, so I don't know I don't know if I agree with that question. All right, let's see if there are any more before we close this out. Uh, there's some comments about a tweet I had. Let's see here. Now, I think that's going to be it. Um, I hope you all have a great Memorial Day. 
Um, I hope you'll continue to follow the coverage. Uh, we're still waiting on the media schedules for this upcoming week with Atlanta United. Um, so the content will kind of be based upon that. But I hope you all are doing well. Hope you have a good Memorial Day. Please follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. And this is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,